0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jumbo Jumbo. Cariboni, Carisania, Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. It's been said you can't choose which way the wind blows but you can choose the set of your sail and as we're about to start a new series right now, we are setting our sail for the Holy Spirit to come and blow into this church and do some amazing things in the midst of us that are going to make a difference, not just in your life but in the lives of everybody around us. The way that we're doing that is we're looking at what it means for our church, for Ivy Church, to be a supernatural community that's all about Jesus. And if we want an example of what that looks like, we find it in Acts 2, starting at verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had they sold their property and possessions they shared the money with those in need they worshiped together at the temple every day and met in homes for the lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising god and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved i'm praying that we will become that kind of community that the world looks at and says wow everybody was in awe of that first church people who looked at it Liked what they saw, but as they came into contact with it, they saw these people who were devoted. They devoted themselves to what? To belonging and being part of it. And God moved in the people who joined that movement and the world said, wow. So now, how do we not only learn about that as a history lesson, but get back to being and building that kind of supernatural community that's all about Jesus today? See, church, like many other organisations, can do community. Sometimes we even do it well. And we all know that this isolated, fractured, polarised, post-pandemic world desperately needs community, doesn't it? I'm thrilled to see how many people are coming back here and being part of our services. I'm thrilled to see how the building here at Didsbury is being used more and more as a blessing to the wider community. More and more recently, thanks to Ruth Pearce and others, in our year of blessing, we're still working on our plans for how we make it even more hospitable, even more accessible and welcoming for those who use it in the week, so we're not just all about Sundays. And I really hope you've seen the recent details about what's happening at Cheadle Hume. the countless ways all throughout the week that Giancarlo and his team are being a blessing in our year of blessing to more and more users and groups, more than we know what to do with, as we love our neighbours and show them and point them to God's love in action. That's all brilliant, but the fellowship, the community in that first church included but went well beyond any sense of a a natural, human-ordered organisation. To be a true blessing in our year of blessing, we want to see and learn how they really were a supernatural community. All about Jesus as they sought to love him and one another, to live in obedience to his word, they knew that he had said he wanted them to do the same things he'd done. Not just to hear about them, not just to study them, not just to talk about them, but to do them. And we see here in the pages that followed, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, they began to test for themselves the truth of his promise that they could and would do even greater things than he had done in his earthly ministry. Because now he had gone to the Father and sent the promised Holy Spirit, not just to be with them, but to be in them and to be on them and to be working miracles through them. In the very next chapter, right here in Acts chapter three, you can follow along once't you find it in your Bibles. We're gonna see the very first time Peter and John now full of the Holy Spirit they go out and they try out the power that they've been given the the promise they test it and they, they were doing this not inside the walls of a church building but out in the city right outside the temple with a man who was in desperate seemingly incurable need it says here that they were going up the temple steps you can read it for yourself that that led into the temple it's the time of the evening sacrifice it's in the afternoon Now, however, they know those old sacrifices are obsolete. They would never have any power to cleanse sin or a guilty conscience. They'd only ever pointed forward to what Jesus's sacrifice for sin would accomplish for you and for me. So maybe they're talking about Jesus's death on a cross. Very recently it happened and how he'd been raised from the dead just a short while before and how he'd shown them many convincing proofs that it really was him. And you know what? If you believe in someone who died and rose again, your faith's going to be pretty high, isn't it? You really can pray knowing all things are possible because he died and rose again. But again, it's no good if it's just theory. And too often, that's what we've done as the church. That's what we've done as Christians with Jesus and with Jesus' teaching. We've made them theoretical. And the next step down from theoretical is Hypothetical, that we believe hypothetically that Jesus, yeah, Jesus could heal, Jesus could do miracles, maybe, hypothetically, he could do so today. But the next step from hypothetical is to become apathetical. And we see needs, and we see people far from God, but we don't think there's anything that we can really do about it, because that would take, well, the power of God. And a theoretical, hypothetical, apathetical church ends up just a pathetic church. A powerless church is a pathetic sight. How can a powerless church pretend that it represents Jesus Christ, who said that he came to destroy all the works of the enemy? I don't know how that works. And we need to repent of allowing ourselves to become that theoretical, hypothetical, apathetical, often hypocritical church that says one thing but doesn't do anything. That's the only way we're instead going to become the supernatural church that honours the name of Jesus by using the name of Jesus as he said we could when we pray big, bold prayers. So on the steps that day, it says there's a beggar. This is the spot he would have had people carry him, it says, and they help him. And they go at that time and they position him at the entrance of the temple. He's hoping people thinking about God, doing their religious stuff, might feel guilty or compassionate enough to throw him some pennies as they're going in to go and worship. Some years ago, on one of our trips to Haiti with that amazing charity, Compassion UK, Zoe and I went across to an island called Laganave. It's right opposite the capital, Port-au-Prince. By the way, Port-au-Prince is now officially one of the most dangerous places on earth. And it's certainly the poorest in the Western Hemisphere. So, we flew over there on this scary little biplane, really, and we've been invited to this dry, barren desert island for a ceremony to mark the opening of a well that Compassion's director, our friend Justin Dowds, had arranged. We love Compassion, and Justin is just amazing. Over the years, he's built right on that island, roads, even a hospital in this incredibly impoverished place. Earlier that morning though, when she was waking up, Jesus had heard the Lord say something to her heart. I don't know if you've ever had that. This phrase came into her mind, the lame will walk. He said it really clearly, the, la- the lame will walk. And she didn't know what it meant. Of course, that's the kind of phrase that's in the Bible quite a bit. Isaiah 35, verse six, for instance, promises, "'Then will the lame leap like a deer "'and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, we had no idea that day that we would be taken hours later to a dry and desert place and actually see water gushing forth in the desert from a well. But I don't think any of us would think that was a miracle. We're so used to water just coming out of the taps, we think it's an outrage if we can't use our hose pipes. But for the poor there on this island, this was a miracle. That well would change everything so we could see the smiles and we could feel the love and the welcome and the great excitement that there was in the village. Just as we were getting out of the bus into the scorching heat and going into this small church building, Zoe spotted somebody. She saw a lame man in rags sitting just outside the building a little way off. Nobody paid him any attention but The words came back to her. She remembered the Holy Spirit's words that she'd heard that day. The lame will walk. (laughs) And now she's kind of getting a bit worried. Because remember we could hear people singing and the celebrations were starting. And it was humbling to be honoured guests. But Zoe's thinking, "Uh uh-oh. Maybe we've got to go and pray for him. And, you know, she's like you. She's like me. We can get a bit kind of... I don't know if i can do that and so she ended up closing her eyes and she's praying okay god if it's really 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 you if you really really want us to pray for that lame man you've got to make it unmistakable that like we've got no other option and and then i'll do it uh, you know and by the way she's not said any of this to me at any point she's this is her and god talking <laughs> now Peter and John have been up these steps before, and I'm sure they'd seen crippled people and beggars many times. When I went to India, anywhere you went there, where there were a lot of people, there were also a lot of beggars. And it's shocking, until you kind of get used to it. You can even think, walking around our city, around Manchester, you see homeless people, you think, well, you know, I can't help everybody, and maybe eventually we stop trying to help anybody. But as they're going in, the beggar saw them and he asked them for charity, for alms. He asked them for money. Then it says Peter stopped. Just as he'd seen Jesus stop so many times, how he stopped a funeral procession in a town called Nain to raise a son from the dead and give him back to his mother. How he stopped when a woman pushed through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. And he says that he felt power went out from him as she touched him because she believed that he could heal her. And in her faith, she drew upon that healing power and he stopped and he asked Peter himself, who touched me? Because he felt that power go out from him. Peter's gonna remember that. Peter's gonna remember how Jesus stopped for blind Bartimaeus, how he stopped for a leper who needed a touch of healing love. See, you can pay a lot of money and go to Israel and do a tour in the steps of Jesus, but you can learn an awful lot for free if you look through the Gospels and just notice the stops of Jesus. Every time he stopped, somebody got healed, or the demons got defeated, or a miracle happened. When Jesus stopped, miracles started. So, rather than just carry on as normal, and walk past the man in need, Peter does what is the first step to a miracle. He stops. He looks at the person. He sees him. Jesus had compassion on people. That's so often the start of the miracle. Sometimes, well somebody said, maybe the reason we don't heal like Jesus is that we don't feel like Jesus. The word here that is used, means Peter and John fixed their full attention on the lame man. It says he fastened his gaze on him. Peter had no money to give him, but he paid him attention. He did him the dignity of noticing him as a person, somebody made in the image of God and loved by him. Love is what God's power flows through. Look at us, Peter said. Why? He's getting ready. He's getting ready to test the power, to test the promise in prayer. Do you believe? Do you believe God can heal? I don't mean theoretically. When did you last offer to pray for somebody? Somebody who was sick or tired or worried about the world or their work or bad news that they just had. Did you pray in Jesus' name? It's actually not that hard to say, would you like me to pray about that? I've done it so many times over the years. Not because it's my job, because it's my joy. And you know what I never heard anybody say in reply when I asked? No thanks. People are so much more up for a Christian praying for them than Christians are to pray. So when I say that, I don't mean you go away and light a candle or something. That might be what they think you mean. I mean, as you stand there, you talk as if God is real and talk to him. You talk as if Jesus meant it when he said, if two or three of you gather in my name, I'll be there to show that he really is, you can, you can have a speaking terms relationship with the God of the universe and he has power and he also cares about what they care about. People, I just did this last week with a lady, she ended up in floods of tears, standing at a place where I hired a car from. She said, what was that? What was that? She could feel the presence of God when I prayed. And you can pray big prayers to a big God. And when he answers those kind of prayers, About the needs they're feeling, which are always big to them. Or the problems that they're facing. Big prayers to a big God when they're answered, people will know. It's because they prayed. It's because you prayed with them. You couldn't do anything to help, but you know a man who can. That's what Peter says here. He says, we don't have any silver. We haven't got any gold. But rather than thinking, so there's nothing I can do, you know, wish I could help... I haven't got any change mate, sorry not today mate. Peter knows he has a better option. He takes hold of the man's right hand it says and then he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Wow, the man did. The man who writes this as well as the Gospel named after him, Luke, is actually a doctor. And he uses some very specialised terms to identify what was wrong and what was put right through that prayer of faith in Jesus' name. He describes the part of the bone, the foot, and the leg rest on like the heel and the ankle bones. He says that those bones received strength as he suddenly but progressively leapt up and forward and then he stood and finally he began to walk for the first time in 40 years and to everybody's amazement rather than being on the outside of the temple now looking in he walked in with them walking and leaping and praising God for his supernatural healing. Now We talk about the early church quite a bit, I do too, we will in this series, but I want us to see one thing really clearly and that's that we are the same church as that church. Christ was the head of that church, it was his body. We are in the same church and Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today and forever. Again, you may agree with that in theory, but can you imagine, If we lived like we believe that in practice, wouldn't we pray with greater faith? In the weeks ahead, we're going to look at more marks of that supernatural community. But what I want us to see right at the start as we set this sail for the future is that miracles and signs and wonders and power were their norm. And the Western church 2000 years on has pretty much become unplugged from that power. By Acts chapter 5, we read that there was such a sense building of the holy power of God that when the believers met outside by a place called Solomon's Colonnade at the gate of the temple, people looking in didn't even dare join them. This was a community, supernatural community that just said, everybody said, wow, can you imagine a more supernatural community than that? Where rather than advertising in the hope that some people might come, people around them saw something radiating, such a sense of God's glory on the earth that they would be like, wow, can I even actually be part of that? How could I? Even now, as we make it clear that we want to be a supernatural community by the grace of God, though the world is happy to hear about supernatural when it's ghosts or New Age or astrology or even pop stars pushing witchcraft and covens and our young people are celebrating Satan on our screens, we can feel the pressure to not go overboard, not rock the boat. And the devil does a number on us to keep us that way because that's when we're powerless. Years ago, I organised a healing prayer meeting and the only people who objected, the local doctor surgery, by the way, were happy for me to put a poster up to advertise it. The only objection I got, this was in another place that I was ministering in, was from the leader of another local church. He rang me up, not happy at all, and said, you know what, you're giving people hope by doing this. And I said to him, I thought that was the job. See, why don't we pray for the sick? Why don't we pray for miracles? Oh, we don't want people thinking we're weird. And you can see that's only natural. But the church was never meant to just be natural. We're not meant to settle for natural. The fact is, there are people who think you're weird just for saying you believe in God. So we might as well go all out and really, really believe. I had this awful thought the other day that one day I'll get to heaven and see all these things that we've done And I mean good things as a community, as a church community, things that we've done in our own wisdom and and strength and planning and strategy, things that we've done naturally. But then I'll see all that could have been, all that could have been done supernaturally and I never really asked, I never even asked. Maybe never even prayed for that person, or for divine intervention. Maybe it was just a bit too risky. Maybe I was thinking too much about what other people might think. Now, when we were in that place in Haiti, Zoe opened her eyes and the beggar had gone. Phew! And then they took us out of the other side of the building completely to go and look at the new well. And she's thinking, great, we've got no chance of seeing him. I don't have to pray for him. It's okay. Until I nearly fell over the guy right there as we came through the door. And then zoe looks at me and she says you've got to pray for him she's saying lame man lame man i'm thinking well, that's not really uh, appropriate and i said look we've got to go and look at the well and she says no no he's lame you've got to pray for him and i'm like well yeah okay I- i'll lean down lord bless our dear brother and help him have a nice day today and she's like no no you've got to really pray for him and i can see she's got that <laughs> that look in her eye you know married men will know what i mean when i talk about that look You see of course the only problem here is God spoke to her and said the lame will walk and she's not told me anything about that but I've learned as best I can to do what she tells me and with the pastor translating he tells me the man is called Babu that he's never walked and I start praying a better prayer and it's going okay until Zoe says no no you've got to pick him up Look, his legs are all tucked up under him. He's never going to walk like that. You pick him up and she's commanding me. And then she's commanding that he be healed. Now she's commanding that he will walk in the name of Jesus. So me and the pastor both get under an arm each and we lift him up off the floor. And as we do so, his legs started to unlock and from fully bent, they're half bent. And then they're straightening and his feet and his ankles start to move too. And they start to straighten out. And being a mighty man of faith, I see all this and I'm thinking, gravity. It's gravity doing that. But Babu is nodding and looking around and. I see this massive smile all over his face. And then he starts to move these stick thin legs with no muscles on him. His toes are going like, starting to pop out. This little piggy went to market. And then, and then down on the floor, he's stepping out. And we're still supporting his weight. But both legs are now moving. And he's looking at us like he knows it's a miracle. And the pastor says, it's a miracle. And the lame man is walking. And again, I want to tell you the whole truth here. He's got zero muscles, but he's got full mobility and then Zoe after we've prayed for him she says to the pastor you've got to not let him just be put down again when we go everybody can see now he's not lame he can walk you've just got to get him up and help him to get walking again now we left the island that day and I don't know what happened afterwards but what kind of a god would it be if he could only do what we can do He said, the lame will walk. And Zoe that day believed him. And I believed Zoe. And the real God can do whatever he says he can do, but he wants to do it through us. So I want to encourage people today who need a miracle to pray like you need a miracle. And if you've experienced a breakthrough, let us know so we can see more and he- hear more about these kind of stories of God breaking through and doing miracles. I really want to encourage us, as we pray for people more and more in these weeks today, let us know how it's going as we pray. And we're going to pray today in the name of Jesus, so the God who raises the dead, who heals the sick, the man at the temple gate who needed healing because he couldn't walk, had an obvious need that was visible, but maybe his hours our- aren't that visible. Maybe you need to name the need Now you might say, oh, I don't need to name the need. I don't have to say what it is. God knows what it is anyway, doesn't he? But again, you look in the Bible, you're gonna see Jesus often asked, even if it appeared obvious, he'd say, what do you want me to do for you? And in voicing it, it's a faith statement to know, I'm kind of out of options here. Maybe you need him to heal you and help you today. How? Name the problem, bring it to God. Let's see what he does in the name of jesus as we pray i'm asking you to you know add faith to these words the bible says you have not because you ask not jesus says ask ask and you will receive so right where you are we're going to pray for one another today with faith in jesus christ our healer if you're watching online put your hand on the place where you know you need healing or, or on the top of your head if it's for the whole of you tell jesus what it is that you need, voice it. Ask him to heal you, he's right there with you now. If you're with other people and and you need healing, mind, body, emotions, stay seated, right where you are, just stay there. And if you don't, please stand up, if you're able. That's your part now, just stand up. Now those standing, I'm commissioning you to go and place a hand on somebody nearby And pray for them. You could say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you can pray for them. Be healed. Be healed. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait. I'm not going to take long over this. Now, Peter didn't say, look at us, because he thought he and John were spiritual superheroes. Everybody soon said that they were obviously just ordinary people who had been with Jesus. So, you, keep praying. That's it. They didn't pray in the name of Peter or John or anybody else. They didn't pray in the power of faith. It's not faith, it's Jesus. They said, when they were questioned about it, the man was healed by faith in the name of Jesus. That's the name above all names. Let's speak the name of Jesus as we're praying now. The supernatural name, because he created everything, he redeems it all, he holds it all together by his power. Go on, that's it. Be praying. Let's continue to pray for one another right where we are in that same name as a supernatural community that's all about Jesus.